Welcome to the Ecom Profit Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Sinkula, CEO of Digital Dawn, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Here on the Ecom Profit Podcast, I open Pandora's box and share with you and other ecom business owners weekly topics that will help you explode your business online. I outline my tried and true secret sauce, the D2D method, that's guaranteed to bring your business results. As an entrepreneur myself, I try to pull out all the same entrepreneurial passions in others. So get ready to be fired up about your business and let's have a great time. Welcome to the Ecom Profit Podcast. All right, welcome to the Ecom Profit Podcast. I am your host, Don Sinkula, and today I have a very special guest with us, Natalie Napoleon. She is an on-demand, in-demand photographer extraordinaire and um, does tons and tons of product work, um, pictures and images and all sorts of things, and I'm super excited to have her as a guest on today's podcast I am excited to pick her brain and learn all things products and photography. But first, before we jump in, Natalie, welcome to the show. Introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here with you and everyone. I am a marketing and advertising photographer, and I specialize in lifestyle and studio product photography. Uh, I work from anywhere from big brands like Convitec, Microsoft, Google, to the little mom and pop shops that are looking to take their products online or strictly e-commerce brands. So I've worked with all different types of products as well, anything from beauty and fragrance products all the way up to something larger like cars or furniture. Oh my gosh. Well, tell us, Natalie, how did you get into this originally? Like, how how did you, have you always been a photographer or has it been a passion of yours? How did you end up making this your career? So I've always been a photographer. I went to school originally for uh, an international affairs degree, and then my father passed away my last semester of college, and I really took some time to reanalyze what I wanted out of my life. And photography and art is really something that I've always been passionate about. I just didn't realize it was something I could make into a career. So I changed my major. I majored in photography, minored in journalism with the original intention of becoming a photojournalist. Got a job in National Geographic, worked in the lab. uh, And then I got pregnant with my first son and the plan changed. Yeah. So... You know, traveling for three to six months, nine months for National Geographic just wasn't an option anymore for me, at least. It wasn't something that I wanted to do. I wanted to be home with him and the other kids eventually. So I started working with a restaurateur who uh, needed his food photographed. So he had a professional photographer that worked with him. So I worked with that professional photographer, um, shadowed him, learned his techniques. He also shot weddings. So initially I started shooting weddings um, for the first part of my career because with the kids, it was easier to work on the weekends. I had plenty of babysitters to help on the weekends. Then, so I started my first studio in DC and moved to San Francisco and opened my second studio in San Francisco. I had 
uh, the DC studio running with an apprentice, and then I had the San Francisco studio. And the San Francisco market is just completely saturated with photographers. So I really had to find a way to separate myself, to stand apart from everyone. So what I realized was that if I could photograph the products at the wedding, the vendors, like the lighting company, the uh, rental company, the, where you get the chairs and the linens and whatnot, would really want to recommend me to their clients because I was giving them marketing photography and huh. product photography in exchange. So that's how I really figured out that I loved to do product photography and honed my skills at weddings. Uh, and then these companies started reaching out to me and asking to hire me strictly to do their product photography. Uh, and so that's when I really realized that that was a good um, avenue for me. So then I came to Pennsylvania, opened my third studio, and started doing marketing and advertising photography and helping companies build brand libraries oh. so that they would have a whole library of images from which they could choose to use on their websites or in their print materials or online. Uh, and that's what I do now with the e-commerce brands and uh, mom and pop brick and mortar shops and large brands as well. Well, what an interesting way to get into the product business is to photo- you know, to photograph images of the products at weddings. What a great marketer you are. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thinking about that from that angle as well. I mean, that's a an amazing way to get into kind of the niche of the next phase of, of product photography. So that's fantastic. So you mentioned a little bit about working with mom and pop stores and working with um, e-commerce brands. You, you also mentioned that you do a lot of, you know, maybe health and beauty brands or you've done things like that. Tell us a little bit about um, your online e-commerce mom and pop experiences. What what do you do? How do people hire you? What what do you do for them? And then we'll get into a little bit more about what makes great products and how our listeners can kind of take some advice from you. Sure. So mom and pop stores are now recognizing the need to get online because as I'm sure that you know, um, retail sales plunged 16.4% last April. It's the biggest drop we've ever seen in history. Uh, On the other hand, e-commerce sales increased a whopping 32.4% in 2020 and and are continuing continuing to surge in 2021. So a lot of the bricks and mortar shops are starting to see that they're going to get left behind unless they take that offline experience and create an online experience for their customers. So what I do is most of the time they're hiring me to do their photography for them. So I'll go in, I'll evaluate exactly what their brand stands for, what the culture is of their brand, what their in-store experience is for a customer and help them figure out how to take that online. And then we'll create several different images um, that they can use on, on their online shop and on social media. Yeah, you know, I think that is so important for our brick and mortar businesses to realize that now more than ever, you need to have that online presence. And that's an entirely different podcast, right? On like how to transition your brick and mortar into an online store. But I think that a lot of our brick and mortar businesses, e-com businesses don't necessarily even know what to do or how to get started in the online space. And it really does sort of start with beautiful images, right? And, and understanding and translating that feel of 
what you would experience when you walk into their store in an online version. And that's really hard to duplicate. And I think that's maybe a lot of times why mom and pop or you know brick and mortar businesses struggle to translate that online is because they don't really know what to do or they don't know how to do that exactly. And I think having really great, well, you know, website and all the different things, but having a great product image can just bring that to life in so many different ways. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. So if if let's let's talk a little bit about let's get into maybe some of of the nitty-gritty of, of product images and how you know l- let's start with the mom and pops who maybe don't have or even the e-commerce businesses that are already um, online who are looking to maybe do a little bit of a done you know, done themselves a DIY sort of situation where they don't maybe have the money to hire a photographer like yourself. Um, You know, they want to create really beautifully branded images. What advice or recommendations or things can you give, you know, our listeners to help them, you know, before we get into that, one of the things that I think I see the most with online uh, stores that I audit is the images are are really bad or they're not really well lit or they don't provide the level of you know bouginess that they should right <laughs> right for, for the images so i i think people sort of you know think well i can just take it with my phone and i'm fine you know or i can just do this which i'm sure you probably could but there's really tips and tricks and things i think that you know the the maybe the normal person doesn't know. So give us your advice on, I, I, I want to do it for myself. I, I don't have a lot of money. What are some things that I should, you know, know, understand and, and, you know, start doing with my product images? Yeah. So you can do it with your phone. You absolutely can, but you really need to set the stage in order to have a successful photograph that you take with your phone. And so the first thing you need to do is you need to really sit down and brainstorm adjectives of that describe your brand. What does your brand stand for? What what is the aesthetic of your brand? What is the culture of your brand? Are you whimsical? Are you, are you satirical? Uh, are you high end? What are you? Start with a, a list of words. Those words are going to help you design every single photograph moving forward, from the props you use in the photograph to the setting of the scene. Mm. Taking a photograph, yeah, and I think a lot of people feel first of all, overwhelmed with the whole process. I think the idea of it just really slows them down. So just start, first of all, just start and do it. Don't worry about your photographs being bad initially. They could be bad initially and they probably will be, but you're not going to experience that learning curve unless you just start doing it and getting the feedback from people. You just constantly want to be testing your images, throw Mm. them up on social media and see what type of response you get. You'll start to notice which photographs get more of a response than others. What kind of lighting do people feel drawn to? Is it something where you have a little more candlelight, for instance, or a darker Mm. ambiance, or do your people like something a little bit brighter? Yeah, I think people are also... um, hindered by the space that they're working in. Some people yeah. don't have beautiful homes, you or know, studios that are, or things or, like that. Yeah. yeah. Or space in their shop that, that mm-hmm. looks like it, it comes out of a magazine. Yeah. So my advice is to just pick a small section. If you're working out of your home, you're in your kitchen or your, or your dining room, or if you're in a shop, 
Just pick a wall, just pick one wall, get one table. That's a good height. I usually like something that's about hip high for me. Um, Get a nice table, a nice wooden table. Mm. And then you can get a big piece of mat board from any type of art store like Michael's and then go to Lowe's and look at their different wallpaper options and then wallpaper several different pieces of mat board put some Velcro on the back or command strips on the back. And then you have a background that you can stick right onto the wall and then you can switch out depending on what type of product you're photographing. Oh, good advice. You can even get a tile from Lowe's, like a piece of floor tile and put it on top of your table. Just make sure you put a piece of mat under your tile so it doesn't scratch your table. So if you're photographing a bathroom or a kitchen product, you immediately have a kitchen type scene with that tile. Yeah, that's, you know, it's really interesting that you you talk about the brainstorming piece first. And I, I feel like that is such a missed uh, step in the process. I, I feel like a lot of people go right to what you just talked about is like, oh, I'm going to create the scene, but they don't really think about the brand or the type of scene that they're trying to create and spend the time really brainstorming. Am I whimsical? Am I more of a modern feel and things like that? And I really do think that that is such an important step for our listeners to understand that you need to take the time to really do that even before you go by the Lowe's, you know, uh, tile and different things. Because if you don't get that piece right, I mean, it really does impact the overall feel of your website and the overall feel of your marketing. And taking the time to really brainstorm that, it's kind of like your customer avatar and making sure that you're really spending time understanding who you're talking to. Your products should be doing the same thing. They really should be talking to that same ideal client or that ideal avatar. Absolutely. You want to see an aesthetic cohesion across all of your imagery. So if you don't take the time to do the brainstorming component, you're not going to have cohesion. You're just going to be photographing the products and choosing props that support the product themselves. They don't uphold your brand identity. So you want your props. You can't even go to a store and buy the props until you understand what you're looking for. Are you more farmhouse? Are you more modern? You can't have farmhouse in one picture and modern in another picture. It just doesn't work that way. You need to have one, one look across all of your platforms. That's such a great, that really, really is a point. I think that so many of our listeners miss is that brand cohesion across and, and understanding what that feel needs to look like in images. We spend so much time talking about logos and feel and how our colors look and all that kind of stuff. And if the products and the images of the products don't match that specifically, then it. you're right. The brand cohesion is just completely off. Ah, such a good point. Okay, so then now I've I, I figured out my my brainstorm. I'm going to Lowe's. Those are really easy easy ways to create different, you know, sort of backdrops and different feels for your for your and not expensive either, right? Like not I mean, expensive. You can, sometimes at you can all. even get that for free, right? Like if they have extra pieces of materials or things like that. Sometimes if you're really on a budget. 
Yeah, I am the expert garbage picker. And (laughs) (laughs) since I started teaching product photography, it's given me the opportunity to go back out on the streets (laughs) and look for garbage. People throw really great things away. And so you can find anything from an old barn door to a beautiful pie cabinet, anything, or you can go to yard sales. Uh, I like going to the yard sales and and looking in people's trash because I'm going to find something unique that you're not going to see anywhere else. That's what I really love about that. And that's for the most part free or extremely inexpensive. Right. Um, And then I also suggest that you set up your space in an inside room if possible. I know a lot of people encourage you to photograph your products by a window because the natural light is beautiful. The issue with that is that you might have a whole series of products to photograph and then you start photographing them on a beautiful day. And then the second or third day is really rainy or gloomy or snowy. You're going to have a completely different light, which is going to change the mood of your photograph. So if you can photograph in an interior space where you can control the light, you'll have more cohesion. And so when you talk about controlling the light, I know a lot of times people think that they need all of these really fancy lighting boxes and big, you know, expensive sort of ring lights and things like that. What do you recommend? So if we're not going to necessarily be, you know, doing photography by a window, obviously a lot of, you know, you are going to need some sort of supplemental light. What do you recommend is the best sort of consistent lighting for, for my brand? Absolutely. So you can pick up a ring light for about $100. And okay. I suggest getting the more expensive ring light versus a $20 or $30 ring light because you can control the color temperature. Okay. So light is measured in Kelvin. So if you switch it to 6,000 Kelvin versus 3,000 Kelvin, you'll have a warmer light versus a colder light. So Mm. that's going to give you some opportunity to create, again, the mood in the picture. Is your your brand a little more traditional? If it's more traditional, you're going to go with a warmer light. Is it more contemporary? You're going to go with a cooler light. So having that ring light gives you the option to make those choices. The more expensive ring light also comes with a remote, which is really nice. So when you're photographing, you Uh don't have to step away from whatever position you have your body contorted into (laughs) (laughs) to get the perfect shot. And you can just press the remote. If you don't have the option to purchase a ring light, you can use any light that you have in your home. You can, again, just go to Lowe's and get a painter's light. Sure. But just to use it, make, first of all, do your brand brainstorm and decide what your brand look is. Do you want a cold light? Do you want a warm light? So buy a light bulb that's either warm or cold. Yeah. So then you have all of your images are in the same color cast and then use it as indirect light. So you can also do this with a lamp you have at home. Um, Just again, make sure you pick the light bulb that corresponds with your adjectives and use a matte board, pick up an extra piece of white matte board, or you can get a piece of foam core um, and then direct the light at the foam core or the matte board, and then just move the matte board or the foam core around so that that actually lights the product. Got Um, it. I'm always looking for walls to bounce light off, ceilings to bounce light off. I very rarely direct light at the product itself. I'm always using an indirect light. 
Got it. Uh, because it's softer, it eliminates harsh shadows and harsh mm. highlights. Um, it just makes it a little bit easier to photograph, especially uh, photograph images or products that create glare. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So, okay. Let's say I, I'm, I've got my corner of the world set up and, and I've got my brainstorm adjectives and I've gotten my, you know, backdrops and my, my lights. Now I'm, I'm working on using my phone. Let's just say that's my, that's my tool of choice. And I know as an iPhone user myself, some of the, the iPhones, particularly the newer ones, those cameras are phenomenal in what they can do. Now, maybe not from a a photographer's perspective may not be the most ideal, but if you have even, it doesn't have to be an iPhone, but even just a decent phone, you could take some pretty good images, I would think, right? From, from a phone. So I have to say the new, the newest iteration of the iPhone is amazing. The iPhone 12 Pro Max, I resisted because it's just so huge and heavy. (laughs) That's what I have to. (laughs) Makes me angry sometimes, hurts my hand, but um, the camera on it is amazing. I've been waiting for this day to see a camera. I've never really been truly happy with the cameras on smartphones uh, until this until this iteration. But know that no one's going to see those little nuances except for maybe a professional photographer. If you sure. set the scene properly and set your lighting properly, no one's going to say, oh, that was taken with an iPhone 6 or 7 Plus and the quality is crappy. Right. Um, so there are ways to trick the eye. When I worked at National Geographic, they would um, the retouchers would always tell me, you don't have to be perfect in your retouching. You just have to do enough that it tricks the eye to make the viewer think it's perfect. So it's the same thing when you're taking a photograph, no matter what type of device you're using. Uh, Just make sure that the scene is set properly, the light is proper, is correct, and then no one's going to know what type of device you're using to photograph your product. And and so you think it is okay to use a, a, a phone if that's your your choice. Now, obviously, if you have the ability to get a camera, would you, you recommend? Obviously, that would be the number one choice. But using a phone is okay. Absolutely, I teach a whole course on how to use your phone to photograph your products because so. I really feel that there's a barrier there. So even if you can buy the expensive camera and the lights and and the setup, then how do you use all of that? And again, it's just more time that you have to invest into learning how to be a photographer on top of being an entrepreneur. So my motto is it's better to do it badly, which it doesn't come out badly, but it's better to do it badly or what you feel is badly than not at all. So if you're not putting anything out there, you're not going to make the sales. Just start by taking some something and then eventually you're going to figure out what works. So on the on yeah. the phone my one big piece of advice is turn your grid on. If you turn oh. your grid on, then that's going to help you align your products and avoid distortion. Um, also step back from the product, the closer you are to the product, the more distortion you're going to see. So step back and leave a lot of what's called negative space. It's kind of like empty dead space around the product itself. Not only is that going to help you with distortion, it's also going to help you use that image in several different 
ways. So you Got might it. need to use a, have, use a square image for Instagram, for instance, or you might need to use a vertical image on your website. So if you step back, you're going to have more opportunity to crop to the exact dimensions you need, depending on the platform you're using. I guess I didn't even realize there was a grid function on your iPhone or any phone. So that is a good tip, you guys. Make sure that you check that out so that you definitely can just not distort your your products. Okay, so now I've I've got my lighting, I've got my backdrop, I've got my product, I've got my um, f- camera. What else should I be thinking about as I'm photographing my images. Let's talk specifically about website images first, because those are the images that I we were talking a little bit before. When I do store audits, probably one of the biggest things that I see as um, maybe a not so great highlight <laughs> of the website are the product images. So give us some tips and tricks about website images versus maybe what we might use for social media or other places. Right. So I think people just take one picture and then they use it on their website and then they use it in social media. And so that doesn't always necessarily translate on both platforms. So you need to sit down, take a look at your website, take the time to number one, figure out what the dimensions are. Do you have a hero image on your homepage? What are the dimensions? Sometimes those images are more like, and I'm going to use terms that make more sense to, to anyone, not necessarily photographers. So sometimes that's more like a four by five image, right? Or, an eight by 10. So in traditional photography, if you're using a 35 millimeter camera, your negative comes out actually as an eight by 12. So if you've ever gotten a photograph from a professional photographer, you get this eight by 12 format, and then you have to crop part of it down to fit it into an eight by 10 frame. So you're losing part of the image, which then changes the composition and changes the entire meaning of the photograph. Right. So it's important that you understand what your dimensions are. That hero image could be like a four by five, or it could be a modified panoramic. So you're losing information either on the top and the bottom or the left and the right, and it's going to change the whole story of the photograph. Um, So know that first. Also understand that there's product pages and there's category pages and what type of images do you need to use on each one of those. Um, Make sure that your category images from category to category, there's cohesion as well. The products themselves might be different, but the textures you use in terms of the props or the light that you use, that those are elements that are going to help you create cohesion across all of your Um, all of your categories and uh, all of your products as well. Um, You know, you see a lot of websites for e-commerce specifically, you're supplied some type of imagery from from the supplier. And then you kind of just pop those in and there's no continuity across all of those images. They feel very disjointed and disconnected. Right, uh, And then you also really need to think about the experience that you're creating for your viewers. You, you really want it, I call it a, a slice of life. You want to create a slice of life. You mm-hmm. want them to look at these images and feel like either that is their life or that's the type of life they want to live or that's what they want their bathroom to look like or that's the type of product they want sitting on their um, bathroom counter or a lamp they want in their living room. And yeah. so by using the light and the staging, you can really create that aspirational element. 
I think that so many good points with that, um, that people oftentimes will take images and use them across multiple platforms. And I think I probably see that a lot, as I'm sure you do as well. But they've taken one image, they've maybe, or a few images, they haven't maybe really thought about it needs to look different, or it's going to be cropped differently, depending on where you're going to use it. And it's really going to change the whole look and feel of your product if you don't appropriately either size it or recognize what medium you're going to be using it for. And website photographs for me are look very different than what you need to use on social media. I mean, from a storytelling perspective, right? To to your to your comment about understanding, you know, how you're the slice of life and what you're trying to, you know, appeal to, it is going to look and feel different on your website than maybe what you're putting out on social media or what you're trying to accomplish. Are there any tips for social media specifically that you have and ways that you can use, you know, some of these images? I I personally think that you know, we as e-commerce businesses, we take like a flood of them all at one time and then we just sort of like plop them in Canva and like put different things around them and try to make them look pretty. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. But for social media, what do you recommend, you know, product-based businesses do when it comes to photography? Because I think this is a really hard thing that people, they don't get it a lot. Social media, you want the images to look more real. Obviously, you want the images to look real on your website as well, but they'll have uh-huh. a little more of a professional um, a professional edge to them. Sure. Whereas on social media, you want to use pictures that look like the viewer could have taken. So, And that doesn't necessarily mean sloppy. You're still using your, your adjectives. You're still using the same backgrounds, but you don't have to be as specific with the images as you are on your website. Um, and I find that the more natural the photographs are, that they look like someone took them with the phone, the more response you're going to get from yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, the more professional they are, the more perfect they are, the less of a response you're going to get from them. So a little less professional would be my advice. Yeah, I like that. And I think as marketers, we've, you know, we, we've seen that and understand that a little bit too, is that people respond to things on social media that are a little less done up, right? A little less professional um, and more realistic. And I think it doesn't mean that you have bad images. It doesn't mean that they should be sloppy or that they shouldn't look and represent your brand, but maybe not as tight as what you had just mentioned for the website. Um, right. Or, absolutely. You know, as staged maybe is is the right word. And they don't have to be perfect. If you have right. a little bit of distortion, no big deal. It's social media. Right. Um, the idea is really to connect with your with your buyer. Yeah. And so they're not going to look at the candle and say, oh my gosh, your, your candle is a little bit bigger, maybe a, a <laughs> yeah. millimeter bigger on the top than it is on the bottom. Don't let that stop you from putting those pictures up there. Sure. Um, I find that when I put, and for me, it's really been hard to try to dial back the professionalism in the yeah, photographs. I bet. Um, <laughs> because I, it's just who I am. It's what I've done for 20 years. But I yeah. find that the photographs that I take um, that are a little more free and a little more airy, mm. um, people respond to better than the ones that look like a professional photographer took them. Got it. Got it. Well, that's actually quite encouraging, I think, probably for a lot of people who maybe aren't great photographers and who are trying to use Instagram and other platforms, you know, to really highlight their 
products, just getting something out there and making it look real and raw, but yet on brand um, is super important. What are your thoughts around, um, you know, doing a lot of templating on like Canva or PicMonkey or things like that? I see a lot of people taking product images and dropping them into, you know, templates and things like that to try to make them look better or different. Do you have any you know, insights or words of wisdom around whether that's a good approach or, or not? I think it's too much. Yeah. It's just like when you're staging your photograph, if you put too much stuff in your photograph, you're convoluting the story of the photograph. If you put too much stuff around it and too many design elements around it, it, it's, it just starts to detract from the product itself. Yeah. Um, like you said before, you want your photograph to tell a story. And when you start adding these frames and design elements to the photograph itself, you're missing out on the opportunity to tell a story just using the products. Um, yeah. The design elements aren't really going to help you. It's just going to distract the viewer. I agree with you completely. I, I think let your product stand on its own, right? And and let the product and the product itself tell the story through through a fantastic image, through fantastic copy, through all, all sorts of different, you know, marketing elements. But don't I don't feel like if your product is really good, you don't need to drop it in a template and add all the fonts and funds and things. Just let it stand by itself and let people look at it. Yeah, uh, the only time I would put any type of font on an image is perhaps in the hero image on yeah. a homepage. Yep, sure. Um, but other than that, I don't put any fonts or any graphics on my images. They, they, I let them speak for themselves. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, as we kind of, you know, wrap up or think through some other things, if I am interested in actually, let's say I do have a little bit of a budget maybe to hire a photographer, or I'm really not comfortable doing this myself and I want to go find someone, what are some things that maybe I look for in a photographer? Because there's a lot of photographers out there, but I do think there is maybe a little bit of a unique skill set to product based photography that might be a little bit different. Now I could be completely off with that, but what are some things that I should be looking for as an e-com business owner if I am looking to hire someone to take pictures of my products? Yeah. So there is a skill set to to product photography. Absolutely. But I think for the most part, and you know, this is a little controversial in, in photography and people don't always like to hear me say this, but, um, for the most part as photographers, we're generalists. And the reason we're generalists is because we need to learn to survive. We find a way to survive, right? Mm -hmm. When 2020 hit and weddings were canceled and corporate work was canceled. (laughs) If you didn't have any other type of work under your belt, then you know you were screwed. You're in trouble. Yeah. So yeah. So I think a lot of photographers really work hard to hone all of their skills, sure. um, and they might not even realize that that's what they're doing. So if you have a, a photographer that you know of in your hometown that just does families or portraits, but you like the person and you want to talk to them, ask them, first of all, if they're comfortable shooting products. Mm -hmm. If they haven't shot products before, I wouldn't discount them. Um, I would ask them if they'd be willing to spend some time talking with you. You really want a photographer, regardless of the level of experience they have with products themselves, to take the time to listen to you and ask you questions. Um, You want them to understand what your brand is 
because you might have a clear vision of what your brand is, but they're not going to have a clear vision of, of your brand. So you need them to ask you very specific questions about your brand, or you need to communicate those um, answers to them if they're not sure what to ask you. This is where um, your brainstorming would come into play, right? When you're talking to a photographer saying, hey, I did this brainstorming exercise and here's all my adjectives that I came up with and all the things that, that I think my brand should, should look like and sharing that with them at that, at that point Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Not only do I suggest that you present them with a list of the adjectives, but I also suggest that you create a visual board on Pinterest of images that reflect the look and feel of your brand because photographers clearly are very visual people. So modern to you might mean one thing and a different yeah. thing to the photographer. I love Pinterest. It's one of my favorite things. And I can see how that would be really important if you're hiring someone to give them that sort of visual representation of what you love and what you don't love. Absolutely. Exactly. Well, so what are like... Do you have any general rules for like what you can expect to pay for a photographer? I mean, I know that's probably a loaded question because they're going to be all over the place. But if I'm sort of thinking about, you know, from like a budgeting perspective, what is a general sort of guideline or guardrails that I can think of for, you know, how much I should be planning to spend for product images? Yeah, that is prices are all over the board. So yeah. you'll have a photographer that's willing to shoot it for a low dollar amount. Maybe they'll shoot it for $25 a product, whereas you'll have another photographer that's charging hundreds of dollars per product or an hourly rate. So it all depends on where you live, what part of the country you live in. Yeah. Um, and I would say if a photographer is charging a little more for the most part, it usually means they're mo more experienced yeah. in photography in general. Not always. There are photographers that are extremely experienced and are charging low rates. But then you also have to take into consideration burnout. So if they are shooting a lot of products for a low rate or doing a lot of photography in mm -hmm. general for a low rate, they're going to burn out, which yeah. means that's going to be evident in the pictures themselves. Because the photography is really, um, the success of the photography is based on the photographer mood, at least for me, it is. Yeah. So if point. I'm working with someone who really appreciates what I'm doing um, and my mood is good that particular day, yeah. uh, then the pictures are going to be a lot better. You know, you there's definitely somewhat of a formula to taking the pictures. So they're always going to be good, but you might just be able to get that little extra if you find a photographer whose personality fits with yours. Yeah, that's a great, great point. Well, as we wrap up, with today's episode, is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners on how they can best highlight their products or any other tips or tricks that maybe we haven't covered today? Yeah. So one thing I want you to take into consideration when you're shooting your own photographs or when you're working with a photographer is that it has been proven that the viewer's eye comes in to a picture on the bottom right-hand corner. Mm. So you want to create a circular composition within the frame that keeps the viewer's eyes in the picture, on the picture. So I usually try to put my product as much as possible 
down towards the right-hand bottom, right bottom side of the frame. Oh. Um, if it's not the product itself that's in the bottom right-hand side of the frame, I'll put, if I'm using a ribbon in the in the picture, for example, I'll have the ribbon starting on the right-hand side and leading the viewer's eye up to the image. Oh, so good trick. Yeah. them there on that page. Interesting. Well, that's a, that is only something a photographer would know, right? (laughs) So that is a really helpful tip. And I, I love that. And I think there's so many, like we've talked about there, there are so many amazing free tools that are out there and so many ways that you as an e-com business owner can really make your products in, in your images stand out, but you have given us some amazing tips awesome tricks and some really good advice for those of us who need to do it at home ourselves and for those of us who can't afford um, to hire a photographer. So thank you. Thank you so much, Natalie, for joining us today. But before we go, tell us where we can learn more about you and what you offer as a marketing photography expert. Yeah, so you can find my work on natalienapoleon.com, but I'm also teaching live masterclasses, uh, which show people how to use their phones, their iPhones or their Androids to take their pictures, their e-com pictures. So you can sign up for a live class at whisperingelephant.com whisperingelephant.com. Ooh, those sound like great classes that we should all join. I'm sure we can all, I love master classes. They're a great way to like get information really quickly. And I, I just love it. So everybody, um, we will include those links in the show notes. So be sure to check Natalie out. And thank you again so much for joining us today. And if you have any other questions, um, feel free to reach out to Natalie and I'm sure she will be happy to answer. Thank Thank you you. again. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a review. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you want to hang out with other e-com business owners, head over to my free Facebook group, Six Figure Plus Ecom Success Strategies, and let's keep the conversation going. Thanks. Until next time.